Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. Today's interview is from a live event I did with Carl Hammond of Hammond Design, and this was part of my Industry Pro Showcase that I did the week of January 11th through the 16th, 2021. A live event, I haven't edited anything out of this, and this is one of those few events where I didn't have to edit out like a ton of swearing. Just kidding, that's, that's actually never happened. And in this interview, I talked to Carl about some of his background, of course, but also about the current state of affairs with the business and what he does as far as customer service in his shop. If you ever get a chance to visit a shop, it's a really terrific experience. Of course, during these times, uh, it's going to be almost impossible, but you can always contact him and make an appointment if you need to. Uh, of course, you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to watch them also on the Studio HFL YouTube channel. Of course, you can listen to these interviews on any podcast platform, but now you have the option to also watch them on my Studio HFL YouTube channel. I would also encourage you to visit Apple Podcast and leave a star rating and review. Right now, I'm only at 10 reviews. They're all five stars. That's great, but I would love to have some more, especially... Uh, some comments. So if you could do that, that would greatly help elevate the visibility of this show. And of course, you can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Studio HFL. If you're interested in getting the newsletter and staying up to date on releases and other information, you can go to StudioHFL.com and sign up for the newsletter there. And of course, I've got the blog there, some merchandise and other great information. Of course, the blog will have show notes from the most recent shows. Here's a huge shout out to my Patreon patrons for their generous support of the show. Your support goes a long way towards helping me continue working to deliver the best possible end product. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. If you would like to be a part of the Studio HFL community, please visit patreon.com slash studio HFL. There you'll find four tiers of support from which you can choose, each with benefits for becoming a subscriber. And now a word about my sponsors. Picket Blackburn has established themselves as a top-tier resource for trumpet players. There's an incredible line of mouthpieces, both custom and stock, that you can choose from with expert guidance from Eric Marine. And the Blackburn trumpets are the choice of pros like Vince DiMartino and David Hickman. Design, execution, delivery, and customer service driven. You can find out more at picketblackburn.com. Brass players can be kind of picky when it comes to cases, perhaps even more so than other musicians. If you have an idea for a custom case, then Messina Covers has your solution for completely custom case ideas, even down to a wide variety of color schemes. You should ask me sometime about my eight trumpet mouthpiece pouch they made for me. It's ridiculous. And don't forget uh, about your options for those mouthpiece pouches or pretty much anything you'd like to keep protected in a custom case. Check them out at MessinaCovers.net. One of the great things about small business is that you get the opportunity to provide exceptional customer service while delivering exceptional products. At Hammond Design, Carl Hammond provides a line of stock mouthpieces for trumpet, cornet, mellophone, trombone, and tuba and custom orders for all of those plus flugelhorn, all made possible because Carl listens to you and then creates a piece to your specs. Everything is better in HD. Find out more at carlhammonddesign.com. The Eastman Music Company has become a force to be reckoned with by manufacturing and delivering high-quality instruments across the board. Eastman Winds provides a line of brass instruments from beginner to pro, and you know they are invested in quality of every instrument when the one and only Doc Severinsen designed their beginner trumpet model. Find out more at eastmanwinds.com. 
SE Shires, another division of the Eastman Music Company, offers a complete line of brass instruments for the discerning musician. Stock options are available, but custom orders is where Shires has made their mark. Myself, as both an Eastman and a Shires artist, I can attest to the quality of horn in my hands no matter what my performance situation. You can find out more at seshires.com. Alright, well thanks again for being here. Now let's get to this live interview with Carl Hammond. Hey everybody, Larry Powell here, your host for Studio HFL, where you truly do hear from legends. And of course, we've got a, a real legend in the, the trumpet industry, the brass okay. industry. Yeah, he's going to disagree with that already. Uh, of course, uh, this week, uh, this is kind of the time where we would normally be going to music ed conferences and being able to see these exhibitors and, and hobnob with all our colleagues and friends. Uh, but uh, what I decided was this, uh, we don't have to miss that opportunity. So I'm calling this the Industry Pro Showcase, where each night I've had uh, different people on and you can check in and ask questions. Of course, the first night we kicked it off with Trent Austin. That was a blast. Uh, you can't go wrong with, with uh, somebody as talented and, and funny as Trent. Ricky Riccardi, the Louis Armstrong author, was Tuesday night with a special surprise guest, Doc Severinsen. Uh, let's see, Peter Pickett and Eric Murine from, oh wait, that's competition, Carl. Maybe I shouldn't mention them. Uh, Peter Pickett, Eric Murine from we're Pickett Blackburn. Yeah, I know. Uh, we're uh, the next night. And then last night, oh man, what another treat with Rudd. And we talked about his new book. Uh, tonight, of course, the Carl, the Carl Hammond. And uh, we're going to finish things up tomorrow night with David Messina and Erica Howard of Messina Covers. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that one, too, because uh, like I've said every night, uh, we know about mouthpieces and trumpets and mutes, but we don't get a lot of insight into cases, custom stuff like that. So I Good think that's going to be really great cases. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, Let's see, uh, social media. Oh yeah, I want to let you know that all of this stuff is posted the following day on YouTube. This video is going to go right up on YouTube tomorrow and then the audio is going to go on to the podcast platform. You'll have access to both. Um, the YouTube channel, the Studio HFL YouTube channel, if we can get to uh, 100 subscribers, I'm going to be able to get a custom URL. So you know, uh, if you make your way to YouTube, go ahead and subscribe while you're there. Uh, of course, I uh, would love it if you would visit studiohfl.com, a website where you can sign up for the newsletter, you can read the blog, and in the blog are show notes for all of the podcast interviews. And of course, there's merchandise, Studio HFL merchandise, right? We've got polos and t-shirts. And, uh, and anyways, check that out, studiohfl.com. You'll also be able to check out uh, not just next week's interview who's coming up, but you'll be able to see who I've interviewed. Uh, number 87, Terry Warburton came out this week. Um, there are a, a total of 143 done. Uh, I still have to edit the rest of those, but there's, there's a, so many, there are so many great interviews coming up. Uh, okay, so tonight's guest, Carl Hammond. And here's, here's how I first heard, heard about Carl. Uh, I was, sitting in a rehearsal with the Indianapolis Symphony. I was subbing in and I was sitting next to Bob Wood and at uh, intermission, at break in the rehearsal, Bob leans over and goes, man, you got to try this mouthpiece. It was a 2ML, Hammond Design. Never heard of it. Looked like a mouthpiece. 
you know, so over, over the 20 minute break, I'm playing this mouthpiece and I'm like, this, this is the greatest thing I've ever played. Right. You know, I had an, an instant double C all of a sudden I could play Mahler five perfectly. <laughs> and, uh, no, but I tell you what, the, the thing I do remember, of course, was it was the most comfortable mouthpiece I had ever put up to my chops. It, it was terrific. And so, um, I, I said, Bob, have you got Carl's number? So he gave me your number. I think I, I, I called you. Maybe I texted or called, but I, you, you overnighted me one, right? So I had maybe the next day or so, uh, I had my own 2ML, and it's, uh, it's gone downhill since then. I, I don't know. I've probably got 30, uh, 30 or so pieces. Just uh, like Bob. Yeah, just like Bob, right? And they're all great. Uh, they're all great. So that was my that was my introduction uh, to you, and then we eventually met. I came up to the shop, uh, the first shop. Where was the first shop? Oh, there was one up there by O'Hare Airport. There was one out in Downers Grove, and then that's the one. That's the one I came to in Downers Grove. Yeah, yeah. that was a nice place. Um, then we moved to Western Springs. Been here in Western Springs for I. 11, 10, 10 or 11 years now. And I've been to that shop, but a lot of changes in that shop recently. Yeah, we've we've taken the, the quiet time to our advantage and done a lot of work around here. Yeah, a lot of great work, a lot of great pictures, you know, and you, you check this stuff out on social media. And, okay, so this this is what we're gonna do next. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hide here for a second. All right, can you still hear me? Yes. Okay, you know what? That's the first time I've taken myself off screen. I thought my audio would still work. So uh, yeah, so here we are. Um, some great social media stuff, right? Got the lathe in the background or whatever that is, coffee maker. I don't know what it does. Um, so then we get stuff like this. This this is what we have permission to discuss, which I, I think it looks like bowling for mouthpieces, right? Set them up knock it down. That, that's a very cool picture. Um, but why are we not to speak of this vignette? Here, that's my question. And of course, it's too late. I've mentioned it. What, <laughs> what, what's going on here? Quite honestly, I'm not sure either, but it's the stuff that I threw in the recycle bin the day before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I put on Facebook, uh, if, if you can guess the number of mouthpieces in each jar, uh, you're going to get a, a You'll become a member of the mouthpiece of the month club. Well, then you just answered the question. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, but I don't know how many. But a couple of people did uh, comment on that post, uh, you know, with their guesses. I, they'll be disappointed to find out uh, there's no mouthpiece of the month. Um, we're also not supposed to talk about the decor or that those horns uh, should be on hooks, not shelves. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, so which is why I'm bringing that up, right? See, to me, this was, you can't tell me not to talk about something. <laughs> I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> uh, uh, you know what, through through my whole career, I you know, working at Shulky and, you know, anywhere I've been, we always hang trumpets from, from the hooks on the wall, the you know, the dowel rods and stuff. So that's what I set up over here. 
to hang all my instruments. Yeah, that wasn't liked much, so we did it different. <laughs> well, I like the setup behind you. I mean, it's it's very tidy. It looks good. Yeah, um, everything. Um, trying to make it more uh, visually pleasing for for people coming in. For the longest time, I, I um, kind of went with the homeless look. Uh, the outside <laughs> looked like it was abandoned. And we just kind of decided to, hey, we have a store. Come on in. Have you seen, I, I, I don't, this was on Facebook recently. Somebody posted, it was like the, the store from like the early 1910s, 1920s. It was a music store. And none of the trumpets had cases. They were all like in a little cubby you know, and had the price tag hanging off of them, or they were hanging on a, not even a hook with a, a you know, a, a thing on the end. It was just like a straight peg, you know, and they hung the horn up there. I'm like, uh, it, was, it was a very different time. Yes. And, and maybe the horns weren't valued quite as, <laughs> as much as we value them today. But all right, let's see what else we got here real quick. Uh, huge no-no. Big, -no. big, big pile of forming tools. What the heck? It, it almost looks like something from Breaking Bad. I mean, I. It could be. It could uh, be. So that you could set up, um, set that up on the lathe, and and you know, and form brass. Oh, wow! I tell you what, though, that's that's. I don't think I would ever come up. You with. want old school? That's old school. That's old school. Uh, so what kind of forming? When, when you say forming brass, what are we talking about? Like. Well, uh, creating the cup and rim. I mean, those are those oh. are rim and cup uh, profiles. Gotcha. Uh, do you still use those, or are those discarded? Uh, every now and then, but more than that, I do. Yeah, I I have other ways of doing it now. So okay, so it's just decoration. Those are just kind of laying in a in a basket, apparently on display. <laughs> Got it. Uh, okay, so then we have. Uh, this is 1,000% okay to t chat about tonight. So <laughs> tell us who this is. That's that's my boy, Norman. <laughs> he's here. He'll he'll probably be in the picture every now and then. And, and he's in the shop with you, right? Yes. Uh, does he just... What, what happens when people come in to try mouthpieces? Does he um, take he off? He scares the crap out of them first, <laughs> and then we pull them backwards, and then when they come in, he licks them to death. <laughs> I haven't experienced that one yet. And no. you know what? That Wouldn't that be a great uh, uh, marketing thing for any business? Come in and get licked. Yeah, the, the mailman doesn't like us much. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we're back. There we go. That's, that's There's all Norman in the picture right there. Wait. In, uh, oh, yep. I, I see him you down see in the background. Him? It's like, where's Waldo? Right? Yep. So, yep. yeah. Yep. So right. that picture is also on uh, um, on the out on the outside of the windows on the outside. Uh, okay, okay. So, all right. Well, I was hoping to have a little fun with that, and uh, <laughs> that that was a little fun with that. So, uh, okay. Just Carl. so everybody understands, I don't go on social media that much. <laughs> I just don't have time. So I have no idea what's put out there, um, but. She she has a lot of fun with it, and it sounds like most everybody else does too. So yeah, it, good. It, it's good. It's good stuff, you know. And and it, the the stuff with a, a great sense of humor, I think, is that's that's where it has to be. You know, we know we know you're good at what you do. So <laughs> let's have some fun along the way. All right, uh, Carl, give us some background 
uh, for yourself? Uh, been this is uh, my thirtieth year in the industry, starting starting now. Um, back in '91, I graduated from Western Illinois University, and uh, in, with a music business degree. Um, so music merchandising, marketing, all that stuff. Um, soon as I graduated, I went down and um, I had always been keeping in touch with Terry Warburton. Um, I was kind of his frequent flyer uh, phone call. And so um, one of these one of these phone calls, I, he just said, so what are you planning on doing after graduation? I said, well, I got to do an internship. Um, not quite sure where, but why not come down here? Okay. So I came down uh, to Orlando, worked with uh, did my internship with Terry and then worked with them for another couple of years after that. Um, then when an, Anissa at the time was a flight attendant with Delta Airlines, so she ended up getting transferred up to Chicago. So we came back here and I got my job at Shulky. Um, started at Shulky 90, in 93. Um, and initially was... Uh, fitting valves, slides, uh, buffing, a, a lot of different things. Um, soon after that, uh, Scott Lasky left the company and started his own. So I kind of stepped in and, and took over the mouthpiece department, custom mouthpieces and all that stuff, customer service. Um, and I did that for a good, um, good amount of time. 2005, I left Shulky and started here. So I'm into my 15th year with Hammond Design and 30th in the industry. Okay, so you know I've learned over the years that you know it's one thing to start your own business, but when you're in a business like this and you want to start, the tooling ain't cheap. No, right? I mean, and of course you don't have bell mandrels, but you still have an awful lot of things that you need. So. Were these things that uh, were parting gifts from Shilky or, or Terry? <laughs> no. Or you had to purchase? I had to come up with a way of doing things. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've been in here and seen me seen me uh, make stuff. So, you know, you come up with a routine. You do it the same way for so long. Um, you have templates and gauges and all that stuff just to make sure that everything's the way it should be. Um, yes, there are forming tools also. And... Um, backbore reamers, and uh, I've developed a process over the years that that's um, become, you know, second nature anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, though that's the that's the interesting part of the industry is there's so much creativity out there. Everybody kind of does things a little bit differently, and and you got a lot of choices, and you know, it, it's all good stuff. It is all good stuff. And I want to go back, you know, of course, you're talking about Shilke and, and Terry Warburton and uh, Scott Lasky. And of course, uh, I mean, how many of these, it's all, it's kind of like everybody came from the same tree, right? Everybody just starts to branch out because you've got Canstall and uh, Giardinelli and, and then we're talking about trumpets too, but it's like, you guys eventually go off on your own, but there is a real, uh, terrific camaraderie within this industry. You know, you, you each have your own business, but it's really very congenial. And if people go to a conference, they see that. 
I, I know that I can call up Terry Warburton with a favor and he'd, it'd be like that. And I'd do the same thing for him, of course. And many of the other guys in the industry, um, it's, yeah, it's a small industry. We can't, uh, I think we, we have to work together to, to make this industry thrive. You know, and I think one of the benefits of a, a smaller operation like yours, and I, I know yours is a, a big operation, but I'm thinking, you know, in, in terms of comparing to Conselm or, or Yamaha, who've got, you know, ka-chunk, 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 you know, things are coming out. And, and it's not a criticism, it's just a comparison. But one of the benefits that I see with the smaller business is you're not just making this stuff. You're actually talking to the customer and listening and developing. You've got stock materials or stock pieces, right? But if I want something, and I've done this, I've called you and said, Carl, I need, and you said, okay, I'll make that, or I've already got that in stock. You know, and you can't get that with other places. And I think that's where we're picket. Uh, you know, uh, Peter's certainly making uh, use of that, of that personal uh, interaction with people. You're doing that. And do you see the value in that? Oh, oh yeah. Um, you know, you, you were saying, uh, I, I heard on a, on, a, on a couple of them where you just kind of said, we're going to find out if, if it really does sound better in HD. Well, <laughs> um, that's my ultimate goal, uh, you know, because everybody's important to us, you know, it, it, we're a small company, so it doesn't take as much for us to maintain levels, you know, of business, like some of these larger companies are struggling right now. But um, each person that comes into this, into this, uh, into the shop, we want to focus on and make sure that they're leaving happy. Um, we'll do whatever we need to. I, you know, starting at the very beginning, going back to Terry and going back to my work at Shulky. If you're, if you're going to talk and not listen, you're not going to do things correctly. So, uh, you know, there's got to be a give and take back and forth. Um, you have to understand what that player wants. Um, you're not going to just simply say, uh, I, I kind of know what you want. No, that's where you're going to get yourself into trouble. You got to take that little bit of extra time and, um, honestly, that's the part that I like the most about this business is, is the working one-on-one -on -one and in all hope of people walking out the door happy. Kind of, kind of makes the day worth it. I, I don't know why this popped into my head, but you know, I, I, I flash back to the days when you'd go down to the local butcher and he'd make the, you know, okay, I need a cut of this and I want, you know, look like this. And it was that kind of customer service. Right, mm -hmm. you deliver exactly what the customer wants. Um, yeah, not, not a fair comparison, right, between those two things. But that's that's what it is. It's really uh, great attention to the customer and delivering what they want. And if it's not right, right, you fix it. That's right. Uh, so one of the cool things about visiting your shop, and it just blew me away, is that you are still so literally hands on with every mouthpiece. This is not a CNC process, right? Right. This, but the consistency, we talked about this before, the consistency is unbelievable. Hmm. You know, Thanks. and well, yeah. So, I mean, that speaks to your talent and your, your skill, right? The craft that you've developed over the years. But uh, that's, I think that's another thing that makes your mouthpieces so special. This sounds like a commercial for a, a Hammond design. 
and, and it is, <laughs> right? That's why you're yeah, here. Thank you. Um, you just get to the point. Like I said, doing it the same way every time. You, you kind of know um, with my eyes closed which cup I'm working on and um, you know how it's supposed to feel. And uh, you know, you, you <laughs> I develop a routine for sure. It's the same damn routine all the time, but um, it, it's got to be done right every time too. What's a typical day look like for you? Usually it's coming in, looking at the orders that, that I have laying on my table, making sure that I get through those. Um, we might have a customer coming in, not so many lately. Um, then I'll get ready to work with them. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not the same every day. Um, you know, I, I'll get into a routine of finishing a batch of stuff to, to send to the platers downtown. Um, so there's a routine there. Um, make the stuff, sand it all, buff it up, degrease it, get in the car, head downtown, drop it off, come back, start again. Well, and, and things have improved as far as the plating goes over the years. I remember there was a point where you were having to wait sometimes what, two weeks or so to, to get a turnaround on stuff? Yeah, so early on, I was I was utilizing the plater that pretty much everybody utilizes, and it was it was difficult um, just to get stuff over there and then the, the wait time and all that stuff. So Scott Lasky actually got me into a plater in downtown Chicago mm -hmm. um, that uh, he and I were the only, the only two companies that they were – setting up bright silver and bright gold for and this is a big huge industrial company and we had our own little tanks over here now um i think peter's used them a little bit from you know every now and then um with scott gone it's pretty much just me but they know me by name and we're good friends and um and they they treat me well because i'll go down there and usually it's you know five business days to seven business days and I'll have the stuff back. Mm -hmm. um, gold is phenomenal. Well, okay, so what's the difference between you know the previous plater and and the current as far as the gold? It to me, it, to me, it seems like a darker quality, um, and not sound wise, but look, mm -hmm. uh, it looks like it's a, a little bit darker and thicker in quality to me. Um, you know the. Uh, all the people out there who who have gold mouthpieces, you can be the judges yourself. But um, is when I first got a, a gold uh, plated piece from from a lot reliable, it was it was stunning, and I just knew we had made the right choice. I see. I'm trying to get this is one of your uh, flugel pieces you made for me. How long ago was that? Well, that's that's what I'm. Uh, how long you been with this plater? Quite a long time. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, that one could be. I mean, it's it's beautiful, and there. you know it it hasn't worn at all. But this one you stamped on the rim for me, RFL. I don't know if you remember this one. This was a I think it was a number twelve throat. You put on this right a number twelve. You can't, I, nobody can see that, but that's huge. Can drive a car through it. it yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know. Uh, I will say the the gold plate, you know, if 
personally, the one reason I like it is it warms instantly. There's not a yeah. cold mouthpiece feel going up to your chop. So, um, but of course, visually, it's also, <laughs> it's a great thing to look at, right? I like the, I like the feel of gold on like B flat and C. Um, piccolo trumpet, I can't play gold to save myself. Just moves around too much. Piccolo is uh, too hard for me anyway. I got it. It's got a stick. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. So pandemic is, is affected everybody. That's the understatement of the year. Yes. It's devastated a lot of people who just kind of were standing there, but, but you've pivoted. You've, you've, and I know that's kind of the, the, the word of the day, right? Pivot. What, did, what does that pivot look like for you in, in orders and deliveries? And, and manufacture. Well, I mean, the pandemic's been hard on us too, for sure. Um, I, again, going back to the size of the company, I mean, we're not big, so it doesn't take nearly as much to to keep it rolling. So that's been a little bit of an advantage, you know. Um, Hammond Design isn't going anywhere. Um, having said that, orders have been down a lot so we did take it up we did take the time to one I've, I've been designing some new stuff trying to fill some gaps in the trombone line and um and uh taking the time to stock up so that when everything opens up we'll have piles of mouthpieces here waiting for everybody um and two uh just doing a lot of work around here making it a, a lot more pleasing um, and we have had people in here, not a lot, but the, the thing about that is, you know, it's, it's a big enough place where we can spread out. Most people know I'm, I'm also a firefighter EMT. So, um, you know, I've been seeing this from both sides, uh, and I, I know what it takes to, to be careful. Um, we have, we've had one or two people in here over the past couple months, maybe. Um, but we just kind of set it up where we got a table in the middle of the room. You know, I'll take things, clean it up in a towel, set it on the table, back up, they grab it, they play. It's been fine. Um, we do, we do um, our due diligence for sure. And we're extremely careful. Um, having said that, Compared to normal business, not a lot's gone on. Yeah. But we've taken this time to do as much as we can to help uh, further the business for, for when we all come out of this, we'll be ready to, to, to fly. One of the cool things I, I remember you doing and are still doing is because you had made so many mouthpieces for drum corps, right? You started offering mouthpieces with, and I don't know how many different cores people could, could order their own, like Blue oh, Coast or? Yeah, I mean, we, we usually have uh, quite a few of them. Um, we usually sell to at least 12 or 15 of them a year. Um, this last year, obviously, all of Drum Corps was canceled, so that, that was kind of a hit on us. Um, you know, we did we did try to to help the cores out a little bit and along the way, and we were um, 
selling mouthpieces with their stamps on them. And then we were giving a portion of the sales to the drum corps and um, doing all we can to try and help out a little bit. Because mm -hmm. uh, the, you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of uh, people not able to play. I mean, the music industry has been pretty much devastated by this, correct? Absolutely. I, I hope we never see this sort of thing again, ever. <laughs> it's, it, it's hard because I think there are some negative aspects to come out of this. I mean, there's going to be a lot of kids who, who aren't, who, who are quitting band, you know. Um, it's just too much of a hassle to have online lessons or maintain it when there's nothing to work for. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, no concerts, no contests and anything. And I think, uh, that's going to be the unfortunate side of this is we're going to lose some potentially good players down the way, you know, and a lot of young players that are going to build up. I've got a few friends over in, in England and I've talked to them recently. And of course the, the UK has declared the arts, um, uh, an inviable or unviable profession not just non-essential, right, but unviable. And they are encouraging them to go retrain, get something else to do. And boy, you know, I mean, and I know some people are doing that on their own here. They're trying to, they're trying to go and maybe I'll never get another gig again. Or doing I'll what never, they need to do to survive, right? Do what you need to do. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard. It, the music industry is the forgotten industry, I think, in all of us. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, everybody wants to get out and, and do things, but, you know, we can't get together. And so a lot of these musicians have to sit and wait. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's devastating. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Firefighter a few minutes ago. Tell us a little bit about this side hustle that you've got going on. <laughs> side hustle. <laughs> Um, I'm a, uh, I work in the fire department here in town. I'm a Lieutenant EMT, um, and, the, also the training officer with the department. So, um, I've got a lot of demands there too. Um, this is always going to be my baby, um, Hammond design. So, uh, but it's, it's been a, if there's a good part of this last year, I will say it's it's seeing it from the fire department side, because um, you, you you learn a lot of compassion, you learn a lot of respect, and um, you see you see how hard it is on people. I mean, yeah, we see it's hard here too, but you know, riding in an ambulance with somebody who's really struggling that's that's uh, that can be difficult at times. Mm -hmm. um, but it's it's also rewarding, mm -hmm. and so uh, actually Anissa got me in, convinced me to get into it because I'm working here by myself all the time. I go there and I'm working with a bunch of guys, and mm -hmm. it's my my little escape, I guess you can say. That seems so odd to think that you know being an M EMT is an escape. <laughs> <laughs> it's less pressure than than what you're doing. So yeah. how, it's definitely not less pressure. But how and when did you get involved or interested in that? Uh, about ten years ago. Well, was it? I mean, Baywatch was off the air by then. So I mean, you weren't being influenced by David Hasselhoff and that that sort of thing. Yeah. Right? So we, I got a I got a letter in the mail. Um, in the village 
the the, the department that's here is uh, it's what's called paid on call. So um, they look for people within the village to assist at the department. Um, I've kind of built myself up a little higher, and I'm considered more closer to full time than than uh, the uh, POC side of it. But I got started that way, so I carried a pager, and you know, a call would come in, and oh, gotta go, let's go, and I'd uh, hop on a rig and go on a call, and then come back to the shop and make a mouthpiece. You know, wow, I'm still doing it. So wow. Well, thanks for doing that. You know, and I don't say that lightly. I mean, it's like the the first responders who are out there. I mean, you guys, oh my gosh, you're encountering encountering so much more, obviously than than you would normally. Like you mentioned, COVID patients, and or or I mean, even not COVID, just I I couldn't do that. I you know that's not that's not me. I uh, so thank goodness there are people like you who do step up and do that. Well, and it it shows you how how hard this has been because, you know, any other time uh, we go up to a house, the fire to, you know, get off an ambulance or get off the engine or whatever. And people just flock and they, they love the firefighters. Um, This last year they've avoided us like the plague, you know, so no, 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 we're good. Stay, stay back there. So it's been hard everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a, a couple of people just commenting, uh, oh, and so Anthony Triplett early on, uh, he was, we're talking about social media stuff. He says, I often add fuel to the social media. <laughs> yeah. Don't you, is it, is it, is he saying he's a troll or, or? no, he's not a troll. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, we're keeping him busy. Uh, ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. He's been doing some, uh, some, some videos for us. Um, I mentioned that we're, I've been trying to design some some new trombone stuff. So um, we've been throwing things at him and hoping something sticks, you know? So he, he's been uh, making videos showing the progress. So you mentioned trombone mouthpieces. Do you have a way in designing a trombone mouthpiece to compensate for the lack of a trombone player finding fifth position? <laughs> I'll leave that one for Anthony. <laughs> uh Okay, so Brian Hoover. By the way, Brian is a, a local trumpet player here in Indy. Uh, I know Brian well. Oh, terrific! Yeah, right. He plays. He plays some of your stuff. Uh, he's asking how your fingers are, and I think that was following a conversation about you and the about lathe. the sanding of the mouthpieces. Oh, so, right. whenever I make tubas, tubas. Forgive me, tuba players, but making tuba mouthpieces are are, are the death of me. Sanding mouthpieces um, doesn't take more than five of them before my fingertips are bleeding. Mm. So that might be what he's talking about. Got it. Well, and I noticed uh, on uh, Facebook earlier, Dan Galando, you know, another local pro here in, in Indy and a good friend, yep. uh, was asking about a 3MLX. You know, I mean, and I tell you, Dan, he's on board with Hammond, too. I mean, and, you know, so that brings up this I haven't whole, seen Dan in a while. He's doing great. You know, yeah. I mean, and of course, he's working with the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra. Well, I say he's doing great. I'm, I'm hoping he's doing great. You know, we don't see each other like like we would normally. But, uh, you know, he's working with the Indianapolis Chamber Orchestra and trying to get those musicians, you know, being part of helping get those musicians back to work yeah. uh, safely. Um, but uh, so this reminds me about the whole regional thing. I think when I first heard about you, 
and Hammond Design, it was like Indiana, Chicago. But you're you're a little more than just regional now. I mean, you're international at this point. Yeah. Um, it, there for the longest time, there was, a, there was a path being worn from Indianapolis or, <laughs> or Bloomington, for that matter, up to Chicago. Um, Joey got a lot of his students. Yeah. Joey Tartell got a lot of his students coming up and um, and then we uh, got to know Bob Wood and it kind of branched off from him um, with the with the symphony. Uh, Indiana has been very good to us. Mm -hmm. um, we have um, one of our largest dealers is in Tokyo, Japan. We've got uh, but we ship all over the all over the world now. I know it, it's it, that's the part that still gets me when we send a mouthpiece to Seoul, Korea, and I'm thinking, the heck knows me there. I mean, great. I, I'm thrilled to death. It's it's humbling beyond belief. Um, when I see Tasmania or something like that, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny you mention that because just recently I, I, I set all my podcast up on SoundCloud and they provide analytics on things. And so I had gone and looked it's kind of cool to see that I'm in every state mm -hmm. and uh, I, I don't have any listeners in the Arctic or Antarctic yet. So I'm, <laughs> I'm on five of the seven continents, right? And, uh, but to see uh, uh, New Zealand or Taiwan, uh, of course, nobody in China, right? I mean, it's, it's a big blank, but you know, it is, it's kind of cool to know that you've got global reach on something. It's a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Yeah. And then Texas is its own world. <laughs> we we send a lot of stuff to Texas. Well, they're kind of known for their band programs down there, right? Yes, very yeah. much so. <laughs> yeah. I, so, so, again, uh, this would be the, the maybe, well, I know it's not the only time there's a show, but of course, Indiana Music Educators Conference would be happening this weekend. Um, Ohio would be in a week or two, you know, Illinois, Michigan, all this stuff would be happening. Uh, you miss going to those shows, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, it's kind of all pretty ironic because um, there for a while I wasn't able to get to any shows because I was always just so busy here. And then finally we made the made the statement that we were going to just start going to shows again and then and, and we got shut down. <laughs> So yes, I, I enjoy going to the shows. Um, I like seeing everybody there. Um, Got to get your FaceTime in. Um, I like talking with with people. It's also nice to find out, honestly, how many people don't don't know you yet, haven't heard of you, and you can kind of fill them in. Mm -hmm. You know, it, there there's there's. A, a lot of aspects to a show that that I find pleasing because, um, not to mention that I get to see all um, all my colleagues within the industry too. Well, you know, I, I love shows too because you know you could send uh, probably Anthony. By the way, he says his fifth position works great on his what is twenty one twenty one BLL. Uh, you could send uh, like Chuck Parrish, right? Another another great spokesperson for Hammond Design. Mm -hmm. You could send him, but I think again, that's where it's so cool to meet the person standing at the lathe or you know standing at the mandrel, banging the daylights out of a bell. You get to talk to that person. Um, yeah, it's and, well, and speaking of Chuck Parrish, uh, he's an artist for you, 
uh, he plays your equipment and he's got his own signature mouthpiece. Mm -hmm. um, who, give me some idea of some other big name, uh, uh, other than me, uh, a big name, <laughs> people who play okay, Yeah, you were, you were on the top of the list, so. I'll... Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got, um, we, we feel all of our, all the people playing Hammond Design are extremely important, but some of the most um, uh, most well-known um, uh, supporters. Uh, so we got Michael Mulcahy in the uh, from Northwestern, and obviously the CSO, yeah. as well as Jay Friedman, um, Larry Zalkin, trombone instructor and former um, symphony player, and he's at Eastman. Um, Ava Ordman up in Michigan State. How you doing, Ava? I don't know if she's on or not, but um, Randy Hawes mm -hmm. uh, with Detroit Symphony. Um, I think he just retired. Um, congratulations, Randy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the next one there is Anthony Triplett. Um, I, but I have a bunch of educators, too. Uh, and actually, John Hagstrom is in there, too. Everybody knows who? John. Yeah, right? Yeah. Who? Yeah. yeah kind of a hack, right? <laughs> um, I've got a bunch of educators, too. And I, I be honest, that's where I geared it initially was to get in with the with the uh, the professors because um, a lot of those professors are also guys who go off and tour like like Joey Tartell mm -hmm. at Indiana um, Steve Leisering in Kansas uh, Carl Seavers in Oklahoma Jim Dooley um, out in uh, California Chip Kratz at Georgia Tech mm -hmm. Randy Grabowski Northern Iowa um, Chris Carrillo at James Madison who are you mm -hmm. saying Oh, yes. And we just, uh, Jose Leonardo Leon from down in Miami. He's a bass trombone player. Um, uh, we've known him for a long time, but he will be yeah. on our website here shortly. Um, so we've, we've, there's a lot of names there. Um, like I said, uh, I, I think we're all kind of in this together. So, um, okay. we appreciate, we appreciate everybody for sure. Well, you know, and I can see the importance, of course, of getting in. Uh, to the younger players, getting them uh, experienced with the brand. Well, and not just with the brand, but the quality and, and the options that, that you provide early. Uh, so now I'm thinking when you mention uh, uh, Mick or uh, uh, Jay Friedman, I'm thinking, okay, so you've got these guys who've been playing for a thousand years. You think they're going to be pretty happy with their equipment. Why on earth would you change this late in your career, and, and I'm not saying they're done. I think it's it's re remarkable that they're still as strong uh, players as they are. But, I mean, you've talked to them. What What is it that they find with the, the Hammond mouthpiece that they haven't found elsewhere? So back when I was with Shoki, both of these, both of those guys I had done customs for. Um, you kind of get to know what they like and you know what what they the direction that they they lean as far as the the way they play what how they want to sound and such um with jay uh the mouthpiece that everybody knows is the jay friedman model was a piece that i made originally at shilke as a custom and um we've done some tweaks to it and such but um, he's, you, you mentioned, um, I think you mentioned, uh, 
playing different things. But Jay's played the same thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Mick, uh, as soon as I started the business, he was one of the first guys to come out mm. and um, and played a bunch of stuff. Him and Jim Gilbertson. Um, Jim was was important because as, as I was making new stuff, he was standing across the across the room and playing it and it just knocking me over. Um, Mick, same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, but even he gravitated, he, he moved around within a line. He started out with the L cups and now he's on the MLs and then he switched diameters and stuff. He's probably got one of everything. Um, but you know, he consistently plays that 11 ML all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Larry's the same way. Larry Zalkin, um, mm-hmm. plays an 11 ML. A, a lot of these, uh, there's, there's trends. Uh, okay, so back to Hagstrom. Hagstrom is to you probably what Vince DiMartino is to Peter Pickett and Eric, right? I mean, he's like trying to get to the shop every day and making a modification, right? Yeah, he, might, he might be itching right now because we were supposed <laughs> to get together a long time ago and then it just hasn't happened. So he, does, he doesn't necessarily play anything stock of mine. Um, he certainly has some, um, but we've done so many so much work over the years you know he he's a guy um i owe a great deal to for one but he'll come out on a uh, you know get it he'll be waiting for me at the door and he'll be he'll stick around for seven eight hours and we'll just mess around i'll do a million threadings or sleeves or whatever you know just whatever he he'll lay a bunch of mouthpieces out on the table and say i want this and this and this and this and then he'll just play all day wow uh, it, okay, so it, it looks like a German Kiel, uh, but it might be Kyle. Kyle Lauer. Yeah. Yeah. You can't have too many HD pieces. And and yeah, I mean he probably does. <laughs> but we appreciate appreciate it very much. Yeah, Kyle's been a been a loyal, um, a loyal HD mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, hang on, I, I just uh, sidetracked there for a second. Um, talking about, oh, oh, I know what I was going to ask you. What's the most ridiculous request you've had for a mouthpiece? And has it been a blank, you know, like the the size or shape of a blank, or you know, I want a double cup or triple cup, or I want anybody ever come in with that? Uh hmm. I mean. Uh... I just saw Chuck Parrish yesterday, so he calls them the sausages, um, but they're basically these mouthpieces that are extremely heavy. I mean, you see, you've seen bar stock brass. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's basically that with a stem. Right. Um, <laughs> so I, I've always thought that was a little, little crazy, but he likes them, and so he continues to play them. Cra- I don't know. There's been so many of them over the years. Nothing really surprises me anymore. You know, <laughs> um, I did have some interesting requests when I was back at Shulky. Some guy wanted a mouthpiece to look like um, louvers in a like. You know, I, I don't know. It was it was a weird looking thing. I get this drawing sent to me and says, "I want this kind of mouthpiece, and then I want the exterior to look like this." I will say that's the o- one of the only ones that I've sent back and say, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason Harrelson would take on something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, it, I, I would have been whittling 
the the piece or something. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not I'm not that good. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I remember as you started to expand away from trumpet mouthpieces, uh, you've got the. Are you covering the line? I know you got mellophone. Do you also have French horn? Um, I don't have a French horn line. Um, I I actually have. French horn mouthpiece here I'm supposed to copy. Um, I still do custom French horns, but I don't have a French horn line. But I do, yes, uh, the uh, mellophone mouthpiece is, um, and I probably said it to you before, that's the biggest surprise of my career <laughs> is that um, Blue Coats wanted a mellophone mouthpiece. I'd never made one before. Um, so I just kind of made something that I thought would work in a marching Mellophone, and it's been one of the best things I've ever done. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it wasn't a top seller by 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 a mile. But I mean, it wasn't blind dumb luck. I mean, you you knew what you were doing. I mean, I had my ideas, but um, I never never honestly thought if I was going to look fifteen years in the future that the six MP Mellophone mouthpiece would be my top seller. Mm -hmm. And I'm getting a lot of not just mellophone players, but a lot of trumpet players playing them too, popping them into the horn and, oh, right. and utilizing them as a flugel style piece. Yeah, you know, you're you're one of the first uh, mouthpiece makers I knew that started to compensate for depth uh, by uh, changing the length of the mouthpiece, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, and not just that, but you know, when I asked for a flugelhorn mouthpiece, it was like. Well, what what do you play? What model, right? Because I never realized that receivers were different tapers or shapes or whatever. I mean, so you know, it's like again, I knew I was calling the right person, right? So I didn't just go in and buy a something off the shelf and wonder why it didn't play in tune. Yeah, not everybody has the same flugel receiver. So you've got your Bach receivers, you've got your Getzen style or the large, larger Yamaha and. You know, you got your French tapers, and that's the one reason why I do not stock flugel mouthpieces because I'd have to stock a whole bunch of different uh, stems, and I have a hard enough time. <laughs> so I just met those are one offs that, yeah. I, that I do for people. Uh, so Anthony's uh, latest comment I made some request and got, well, that is a unique piece. <laughs> Which yeah. one was that? I, I wonder. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm thinking back to that first trip I ever made up to your to the shop. Where it was a small shop. It's like you couldn't get more than two people in there. Yeah, it was that was the closet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, there was something kind of cool, kind of special about that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, I, I've been up to the shop again, and I think right as you guys started to renovate, um, but I, I, 21 ml. Anthony 21 answers. ml. So it was a base piece, base diameter with a, a tenor cup. Yeah. And as I recall, it didn't work out too well either. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, I'm thinking we, we can't visit you right now. Not not the way we would want to. Um, you're doing a lot of consultation by phone and email, right? Yes. How yes. how? I know it's not the same, but is it still? Does it still work? Yeah, I mean, I mean, because I'm thinking not as easy play, as play, right? It's not play. as easy as being in the shop. I mean, if you're here, you know, I get to listen to you play. I get, we talk back and forth. I do something, I hand it right back to you. You play it. I make changes to it. 
you know, the phone. Yes, I want to. I want to talk to you. I want to hear what your what your what the issues are. I want to hear the keywords that you, that that I'm looking for. Um, I want to hear you play. Um, I've actually had people play over the phone. It's just not quite the same. Um, I, I think this would probably be this would work. Um, some type like this, right. but uh, the shop one on one is the best way to do it. Well, hopefully we'll get back to that. Yes, uh, soon. Uh, do you see any? Well, like you're a fortune teller. Do you see uh, any kind of significant evolution in mouthpieces, or just more custom work? Are you seeing any significant changes or adaptations or anything coming along? I, uh, hmm, that's a that's a great question. Oh, I get I at think, least once in my lifetime. One good question. <laughs> I, you know, uh, mouthpiece has been made for such a long time. You know, um, a lot of the stuff we're doing now is is stuff that's been done. It's it's the way they're being made, mm -hmm. and there are a lot of people out there that that are making some pretty high tech, incredible things. Um, I think what's going to happen is we're gonna, when we come out of this, I think people are going to come out of the fog and we're going to see some pretty cool stuff reemerge. And, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of companies that are ready to, to uh, put the pedal to the floor. Mm -hmm. um, you, you only make Hammond design, right? I know some companies out there will make a product and then stamp another name, another brand on there. Do you do anything like that or is it all, all HD? It's just all HD. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't have time to, <laughs> I have a hard enough time with my own. I don't want to disappoint somebody else too. Yeah. But you know, I, I find that fascinating and I, you see that, well, even in, in food, right? Like we shop at Aldi's, but my wife says, you know, that same truck that is, is, backing up and unloading food into all these uh, is over at Kroger or wherever, you know, it's like, it's, it's just a different brand. It's the same product, but a different brand. Uh, right. Okay. Nick, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Osik. I remember asking for a smaller version of my already small lead piece. And I know Carl was probably like, um, what? <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's the one who says, don't mention the bent dimes I've made. So we're talking like really compact pieces, right? And, and you know, and, and it's actually, some of his stuff wasn't as small as he, as, as he thought it was. I've certainly made smaller. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's a great player. Um, he sounds good on those bent dimes. <laughs> um, okay. So we uh, think about bent dimes and, and mistakes. Are there... Do you have mistakes? Oops. Uh, that was the jar that you saw oh, oh, right. that you showed early on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> there weren't very many. What? That's that's 15 years worth of, of stuff. That's well, pretty good. <laughs> well, those are probably lower in the in the recycle bin that she couldn't reach. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you know that's something else I learned by by coming to the shop is you've got this like. Well, it was a 55-gallon barrel, I remember. It, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Right? That was just full of all these shavings. It, but that it does get recycled. Oh, yeah. Um, usually, I recycle that thing once a year. 
So it takes me about a year to fill that up. Mm-hmm. Um, or a little bit less. But it, yeah, I, re- I recycle it back and I, I get a little bit back off of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, off of the waste. And you can't then they can go back and, and well, and they like our stuff too because it's pure brass. Ah. So. What? What? Oh, right. Right. Mouthpiece is the, is a single alloy. You don't have uh, like a mix of nickel or uh, like they would use in making the trumpet bell. You don't have a mix. Well, brass is brass. So brass has co- a little bit of copper and a little oh. bit of, ha- still has a little bit of lead. What I'm saying is it's I, all I have is just brass. I gotcha. I'm I got not you. mixing in silver or steel or anything like that. Well, okay, so you mentioned the lead. Is that why California put their yes. uh, may cause cancer stamp on mouthpieces? I, I presume so. You know, uh, brass has a little bit of lead in it, which makes it machinable. It's that, but, um, and that's why we always say, make sure you get your mouthpieces plated. Um, Joey Tartel, I'm still trying to get his original piece plated from 15 years ago, but... It hasn't affected him much, I don't think. So, oh, when are you going to start start offering uh, pink plating for him? Well, yeah, it would be for him for sure. Um, we'd have to uh, maybe some sort of lacquer with tinting in it or something. We'll we'll have to come up with something. Yeah. Uh, what about acrylic tops? Are you, are you have you gotten into that yet? Um, I have machined some clear acrylic. Um, it's harder. For me, just because I don't have a lubricant going on it, and it's and it 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 burns real fast, it oh. heats up super fast. That's why I use the the white plastic for like you know the dower and rims and tops and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh right, I'd forgotten that you already have uh, some sort of alternative uh, out there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so what else is going on? I mean, uh, you know, you're you're a five five. Well, not a firefighter. You're an EMT slash firefighter. I, I'm a firefighter. You are a firefighter. Yeah. Um, by the way, do you have to qualify or recertify on a regular basis with that? Uh, well, as far as the EMT, I have to do yearly CE, continuing education. Mm-hmm. So through Loyola Medicine here, we have to do that once a month. Okay. Um, and then with the uh, firefighting, yeah, I mean, every time we go off and do a fire, you kind of need to know <laughs> how to do it. So uh, yeah, I don't you know. know. We, That's we right always right. do the physical fitness and such. So mm-hmm. yeah, well, there's always refreshers. Cool, uh, but not like that in uh, not like that in mouthpiece making. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how many things I that show up that. Um, Oh, you know what? I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It, it it's it's never the same day twice. I'll tell you that. Cool. Uh, and I'm thinking about uh, Terry Warburton all of a sudden. And uh, of course, like I mentioned earlier, his interview came out on the podcast platform uh, this week. But uh, now it's no secret. But I found out everybody's kind of found about a found about. Let me try that again. Found out about this already. Um, you know, he makes fiberglass boats. Yes. Which he calls warboating. Of course he does. Which I think is hilarious. <laughs> um, so, 
uh, yeah, by the way, let me let me do a quick plug for uh, for the podcast. Of course, this uh, you know live series, and by, this has been a great thing this week to to do. It's I enjoy doing the live thing because um, it's like a live concert, right? I mean, what happens happens. Um, but uh, yeah, number eighty-seven, Terry Warburton came out this week, and uh, next week Kiku Collins, and then followed by to round out January, I've got Jeff Kernow. It was a second interview with Jeff, where we talked just about his time in Empire Brass, and I said Kernow, but he clarified it's Kerno. It is Jeff Kerno. Um, so you know, if you want to be interested in finding out more about uh, Studio HFL, go to the the website studiohfl.com. You can go and sign up for the newsletter. Um, I also uh, would like it if you would consider becoming a Patreon patron. Uh, there are some benefits there. You can check out on the website, and uh, of course, email me with any questions that you might have out there. Carl, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you know people that are listening out there. Um, but uh, uh, show notes for all of this stuff are, can be found on the blog on the website. And uh, yeah, merchandise on the website, you know, trying to, trying to uh, do everything we can, right? I see uh, Carl's got merchandise. He's got his HD shirt on and uh, you've got t-shirts as well, right? Yeah, we're, t-shirts are getting low. We're, we're kind of waiting to place a new order here, but we will be soon. Do you have caps or anything? We don't. We could. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd buy one. But uh, so anyways, uh, tomorrow night, Messina covers, uh, David Messina, Erica Howard, they're going to be wrapping up this industry pro showcase that I've been hosting this week. Um, Carl, before we wrap up here, anything you want to share? Did we, did we cover everything? Did, did I? I've been handed a couple of questions. I guess they they contacted us. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know if they're listening tonight. Um, right, right. Okay, I they might. They are if they they asked. Yeah. Um, but one's from Perry Reed. Oh yeah, I know Perry. Yeah, he says how do how to fit how do you fit a mouthpiece for students grades six to twelve? What playing test do you use or recommend? Um, that's kind of a wide range. Um, so you could kind of presume that the high school guys are going to have a, a little bit more. Um, capabilities, I guess you can say. Um, but with the younger kids that come in here, uh, and I'll say when I started the business, um, I was more towards the college guys. And it's really amazingly trickled down. Um, and we are getting younger players in here. Um, obviously, they're not going to come in with anything fully memorized, or the, they might bring a book or two. But a lot of times, it's just a simple, you know, uh, B flat concert scale, and then have them tongue them and play them legato and quiet and loud, and trying to get as much uh, differences in in uh, in musicality and um, what they're putting out. Uh, if you play the same thing over and over again with the younger guys, they're not going to be all nervous. They'll eventually relax and say, "Okay, I've got this." You know, and they're just playing the same thing and. And then you're you're focusing mostly on the sound and the results that that mouthpiece is creating versus them fumbling over, you know, notes and such like that. Um, you try to help them out as much as you can. Some of the older high school kids will. Um, I I recommend that they bring in, 
you know, etude books or any any flexibility studies that they do. Um, and because we had, we'll put it on a music stand and and we'll play those same things over with different pieces. So. You gave quite possibly the best answer to that question because you didn't say, "Oh, it should be a five ml," <laughs> right? I mean, you think about it. It's it's like I know drum corps have kind of taken this this uh, trend to say, "Okay, we're going to put all this all the third trumpets on uh, a five C or three C, and the seconds are going to be this." And you know, I, that's a whole different conversation. But you know, I I like your answer. Right, you have to listen. You have to take every individual player for who they are, and then make choices. And some of these younger kids that are coming in, this is kind of the first time they've ever stood in front of somebody they didn't know and played. They're not nervous. And so you want to make them as comfortable as possible. Yeah, it doesn't have to be you know a full etude. Play a scale. Yep. And and you know you take take from it what you can but make them as comfortable as possible so you're not dealing with the nerves and you're not dealing with the fumbling. Just just play. That's what it's all about anyway, right? Exactly. So, got um, another question there? I, I have one more here. This is a guy who's um, ordered, he, he ordered a custom mouthpiece not long ago from me named Brian Johnston. I think he's listening too. Mm -hmm. He's got two more on order. Um, but he, he asked, what's the biggest sound difference with standard and skeletonized blanks? I'll, I'll grab them. Yeah, I want to know the answer to this question. So I'm trying to get my bearings here. There we are. So that's a skeletonized blank, and that's a standard blank. Uh, with the small bore mouthpieces, the small stem mouthpieces, we give that option. Um, some guys like to feel a little bit more resistance up close to their face for for response and articulation feel. That's where the standard weight would come into play because there's weight creates resistance. So the two same mouthpieces, like two 12 mLs um, within the standard and the skeleton blank, to me, I think they're going to play, they're still going to have their same similarities, but mm -hmm. their end result is different. The standard weight's going to have a little bit more depth of sound to it, a little bit more focus, just because you're you're going through more weight, mm -hmm. where the skeletonized blank's going to be a little bit freer, a little bit more zingy in sound, a little bit more high-end in the sound, and probably overall freer. And so it really comes down to um, playability, how you want it to respond. Is it is everything feeling appropriate? Um, am I going into the cup a little bit too far with the skeleton eyes? So if you pull it, um, you put in the standard blank, maybe you'll get enough resistance to stay on top of the rim. It, it's all personal preference, but there's definite differences between the two. How did you come to that particular design? Um, so when I first put the line out, um, everything was in standard blank. Um, so the heavier blank and, a, you know, uh, there was, there was a string there for a while where someone said, uh, feels kind of tight, feels kind of tight. And so I was putting it on the machine and taking a little bit of weight off. Oh yeah, that's it. I said, okay, makes sense just to create another blank and okay, here's your other option. 
And, and believe it or not, we have people who want in between. We aren't doing a third blank. <laughs> but has that caught on any, any other mouthpiece maker? Has anybody tried to emulate that? Well, you know, back in the day, Shulky always had a skeletonized, they had a couple of models which were designed with a little bit of a skeletonized mm -hmm. uh, shape to it. Um, I remember early on, I was making a lot of piccolo mouthpieces, skeletonized. Mm -hmm. So I was taking old Shulky blanks and taking the weight off to the point where there was just enough for the, for the throat, you know. Um, but that was a trend there for a while. I remember my jet tone, my first jet tone mouthpiece. Well, you talk about skeletonized, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> it was like a T. I mean, there's just barely a little curve you know, where the cup uh, went up to the rim. Yeah. But uh, uh, I think that was actually a Doc Severinsen model too. But uh, I still have that. I, I don't know that I'll ever play it again. But you know, I went through that phase. We're trumpet players. We keep them all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and speaking of Doc, I remember him telling me a story where he would, he had thrown away garbage bags full of mouthpieces. Well, yes. of course, you know, he's, he's still searching for the right mouthpiece and the right horn, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, man, Carl, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, you know, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next time we can actually hang in person. Absolutely. You know, uh, the last time I saw you, uh, and I was grateful that you came down, you and, and Chuck, I think, both came down to my mm -hmm. trumpet conference November of 2019. Yep. And uh, you know, it was great to have you guys here. And I'm thinking, holy cow, that might have been, a, might have been one of the last conferences, you know, before stuff. Yeah, we, we did TMEA in uh, beginning of February, and then that was pretty much it. Yeah. So... Well, you know, it doesn't even have to be a conference, you know, even if, if uh, you know, coffee or beer or whatever you're, you know. You're Love it. The time. Love it. So, well, uh, Carl, hang on just a second. I'm going to say thanks to everybody uh, for showing up tonight and listening. Of course, this is going to be available on YouTube and the audio is going to be available on the podcast platform that's going to come out tomorrow. Uh, so it'll live, in, live on in posterity. Uh, mm -hmm. So a public thanks again to Carl Hammond for joining us tonight. And I kept saying Anissa. It's Anissa, right? Anissa. Anissa. Thanks to Anissa for the excellent work on, on all the social media work. And I say I pretty much respond to any name. With her, it's Anissa. It's Anissa. Well, I want to get it right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Brian Hoover chimes in. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, I think people. Uh, Hope to see you sometime, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, well, Brian, you can you can uh, share a beverage with us too if if Carl comes down to Indy. So, <laughs> yep. all right. Well, uh, again, Carl, hang on. Uh, everybody else, I'm going to sign off. Thanks again for joining us tonight. Don't forget, Missy. Thanks, everybody. Tomorrow night. Well, that's where my interview with Carl ends for today. With typical interviews that are recorded and then edited afterwards, I usually excerpt a significant portion and make those available exclusively for my Patreon patrons. You can find out more about how to receive that benefit and others at patreon.com slash studiohfl. And again, to those who are already patrons, once again, you have my deep appreciation for your support. Another reminder to visit Apple Podcasts and leave both a star rating and a review, and please visit the Studio HFL YouTube channel and subscribe. This has been a production of Powell Music, and this show again is supported by the generosity of Messina Covers, Eastman Winds, 
SE Shires, Hammond Design, and Pickett Blackburn. I'm your host, Larry Powell. Grateful again that you spent some time here with me and our guest. And be sure to come back next time to visit with another great guest. Have a great day.